So good morning and welcome to Living Hope. I'm uh, Pastor Harrison and um, this morning we're going to be talking about really um, the area of spiritual transformation. I mean we'll be looking at um, the fact that God really wants us to have a deep abiding spiritual life, to have a life that uh, is flowing with the fruit of the Spirit, that we really have this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that, that as we walk with God, that, that God will develop these qualities and we know that we can't, as much as we're a loving person, we can never have the love of Jesus Christ on our own. In this busy world, we wanna have a, a peace that comes from the Spirit that people really see. We wanna have a, a, a joy even in the midst of, of bad news and struggle. Uh, we wanna have a patience even when uh, we're mistreated. Uh, even when things are so hard. Why? Because, because we know that Jesus, in Jesus, God is making us day by day to be like Jesus Christ. And so today, actually, we're, as we've been looking at um, this idea of <clears throat> finding true spirituality in a busy world, finding peace in this busy world, uh, we want to conclude this series by looking at some practical things that will really help us uh, to, uh, to really shine in the world in which we live. And so I did want to bring up this quote that we started from the very beginning from Henri Nouwen. And uh, this really sums up our situation. He says, one of the most obvious characteristics of our daily lives is that we are busy. Uh, there is a nagging sense that there are unfinished tasks, unfulfilled promises, and unrealized dreams. It is very hard not to be busy in our productive, production-oriented society, being busy has become one of the main ways, if not the main way, of really identifying ourselves. In fact, we feel guilty if we say we're not busy, and we feel good if we say, oh, I'm so busy, uh, whether we're students saying, ah, I, had, you know, I stayed up this late, or I had this many overnighters, and things like that, or if we're at work saying, oh, it's just overwhelming. In a sense, sometimes that's, we feel like that's a really good thing a badge which says, you know, we're really hardworking and, and this is who we are. And, but even if we're, by nature, you know, driven people, uh, we looked at uh, how busyness really does affect the soul. And again, this is a little bit of review, but it's just a reminder that there are several kind of uh, effects of the busy life upon the soul. We talked about the area of worry. And we said that worry means to doubt or question the faithfulness of God that when we're so busy, what we end up doing is we're doing everything on our own strength and pretty soon we're like trusting in ourselves to get things done, to make things happen. And pretty soon we just worry because we're like, I'm just, you know, is this gonna get done? Is that gonna get done? I can't do this and we worry. Why? Because we're not trusting in the faithfulness of God. The second thing that we saw was the idea, the idea of preoccupation. Preoccupation is the idea that we're always thinking about the fears of the future. You know, am I still gonna, even though God has given me this, you know, am I still gonna have this in the future? Even though I have all these things, what happens when I retire? You know, and pretty soon we're just thinking about all the worries of the future and we're not, think, we're not looking at what God is doing in the present and what he's calling us to do in the present. And that's what, again, a busy world does. Another thing the busy world does is boredom. And we sit here, boredom is not the problem of nothing to do. We can be the most busy people in the world and still be extremely bored. Busy, I mean, boredom is the problem of having nothing worthwhile to do. So you know we're doing a lot of stuff, but we look at it and say, you know what, I'm not even thinking about what I'm doing or what, what, 
whether it makes a difference, and we can actually get bored and, and discouraged, even depressed, when we, we give our lives to things that really have no meaning. And finally, the fourth ailment we looked at was the area of disconnection, that really uh, one of the tragedies is that we become lonely. Our busyness takes us away from the time that we spend with family, from the time we spend with friends, and pretty soon we just feel like, you know, we're just disconnected. So, you know, in, in, in many subtle ways, if you feel these things, you know that, hey, these things are really a cry for help, that the busy world in which we live in is, is, is eating away our very soul. And, and Jesus himself, we say, well, Jesus, he was a very busy person. He wasn't just, you know, chill. He was very, very busy. He did a lot of things. He had to retire at times to rest. Um, he had to sleep. And, uh, but Jesus, we saw, he had a perfect balance of being in the world, but not of the world. That he was in the world, he was able to do things, accomplish things, but his life was never um, consumed by the busyness of this world, letting that identify him, letting that overwhelm him. That he had always this presence of God, uh, the presence of God's peace, the presence of God's love, the wisdom of God, the hope of God through the Spirit of God. And we know also that, that God calls us as well to be in the world and not of the world. And he gives us the ability to do that because the same spirit that's in Jesus uh, is in us. And so now today we're going to be looking at finally the role of spiritual disciplines when it comes to the busyness in this world. How spiritual disciplines can free us from worry and anxiety and give us really a sense of peace. Now, I know when we see the word discipline here, it just sounds really hard, especially if you're not a real disciplined person. I'm thinking about this and going, oh, discipline. We just cringe, you know, because we say, well, I'm already overloaded with lots of stuff and I got so much to do and you're gonna add another discipline on top of this, but you may be surprised that actually discipline, spiritual disciplines are a gift that God has given to us. I mean, we know in a sense, um, when we have an undisciplined life, it's pretty chaotic, right? It's pretty crazy when, when life is out of control. There are times when we start out and we say, oh, everything's under control, everything's on schedule, and then when the, the discipline starts eroding, it starts going nuts, right? And when we go to school, we start the new quarter or the new semester, and like, I got on top of my homework, I got everything set, I know when I, and then, you know, by about the third or fourth week, you're like, okay, things are going nuts now. I don't even know what day it is. I don't know, you know, what assignment, oh, that assignment is due tomorrow, I didn't keep, you know, and we start losing that discipline and we know that there's so much, then, then the busyness becomes chaos uh, in our lives and we feel that. And this morning we're gonna see that even just some simple changes and choices from a spiritual standpoint can make a huge difference in the quality of life uh, our, our spiritual lives as well as our physical lives. See, discipline does not have to be like, uh, uh, you know, these, 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 like going into the desert and, and fasting for, for 30 days or things like that. Discipline really involves just simple strategic things, uh, uh, simple habits that really uh, bring the power of God to bear upon our lives. That's really what disciplines do. So I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. And shall we stand in reverence for the word of God? <clears throat> Matthew 16, verse 24. 
And Jesus is speaking to his disciples. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law, that he must be killed on the third day <clears throat> and be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for me will find it. For what good would it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come to his Father's glory, is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward, will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. And from this passage, we're going to be looking at the role of the spiritual disciplines in really finding peace uh, in this world. Uh, we're going to see that, that, that we must do our part to follow Jesus Christ, that spiritual life, the spiritual life is not passive where we sit and just pray and, and trust that, that God's going to just bring this peace on our lives. God calls us at times to do things for our spiritual lives, to uh, get our lives in line with his will and strive to keep it there so that, that God's promises of peace can really follow us and flow into us wherever we go. And so the first question we want to answer is what exactly is a spiritual discipline and what is it good for? And when, I was, uh, when, we, were young, when we were younger, my kids were, our kids were younger, we used to belong to um, this community pool. And you had to pay you know, a, a fee to belong to community pool or you could do chores. So Reed and I said, we'll just do chores. You know, that's, that's easier, it's free. And then so we would, one of the chores was uh, mow the lawn. And you know, it's been like a year since the lawn's been mowed, you know, because it only opens in the summer. So then it closes the rest of the year. So he's got these weeds coming up. So you mow the lawn. So I got out there to mow the lawn on a Saturday morning. And the, uh, the guy pulls out, says, oh, okay, here's the lawnmower. And you, you just do this section. And so I get the lawnmower out. And he says, oh, by the way, this is one of those things where you flick the switch, it'll engage the gears, and then uh, the, the, the engine of the motor will actually drive the, um, drive the lawnmower forward. I go, oh, that's cool. You, mean you don't have to push it? He goes, no, the, you just push the gears, and, and you push this thing, and, and it'll just go forward, and you just have to guide it. And I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. And I did it, and it was like, wow, this is not so bad. You just steer it, and it just moves. Now, see, the thing is, is I could have ignored that piece of information, and I could have said, well, no, no, I don't need that. I'm just going to push the mower on my own because I can do it faster, you know, or whatever. And, you know, it probably would have taken the same amount of time and I probably would have gotten the, the mower, the, you know, the lawn done and we would have been able to enjoy our pool. But after doing all that, if I just push the lawn mower, I mean, you could do that. There's an option not to flick the switch. You just push it on your own. But, you know, if I choose, chose to do that, you know, after those two, three hours, I'd be like really, really tired, right? It makes a big difference if you turn that switch. Um, I feel like that's kind of a really good illustration of how the spiritual disciplines affect our lives. 
uh, the spiritual disciplines don't necessarily shorten the number of hours in our busy schedule, right? I mean, we still have to go to work. Uh, it doesn't reduce the um, amount of tasks that we need to do in a day. We still have to take care of our kids. But I feel the spiritual disciplines are kind of like that little switch that engages the power of the Spirit of God into our lives so that the things that we do are, are, are that, that we feel God's peace, we feel his refreshment, we feel the, the renewal of the Spirit of God that the world doesn't understand. And a lot of times we just go through this world pushing the lawnmower by our own strength. And God says, you know, there's a button here. You just got to take a little time to figure out how it works and push the button. And I can make this job uh, more refreshing for you, more empowering for you. And so spiritual discipline is not just like fasting for a long time. It's not like giving up all of our time to, you know, like, like making sure that every single minute is used properly. It's not like never watching TV again. You know, that's what we usually think about when we think about spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines is actually about making those few wise and strategic decisions that place us where God can do his greatest work in us and through us. I really want us to think about that. Disciplines are not just us, like what we're doing and working hard. And, and you know, we, we think of disciplines like, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my weight so that I'm making myself strong, you know? And, and the, more I, the more pain that I do, the stronger I'm gonna get. We think of disciplines in that way, like, oh, this is terrible. But actually, spiritual disciplines, not that spiritual disciplines are easy. Spiritual disciplines are hard. But spiritual disciplines are about making wise strategic decisions, building spiritual habits that put us in that place where God can really uh, work in us and fill us with his strength. And, and so we go back to Matthew and Jesus explained to his disciples that his death is near and he says that Peter took him aside and rebuked him. He says, you know, he says, Jesus, you're not gonna die. This is not gonna happen to you. This can't happen to you. How can this, how can something difficult like this happen to you uh, and, and you be uh, able to accomplish God's will. It should be easy for you. You're, you're the king. You're the rightful Messiah. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, oh, you know, he says, well, first of all, he says to Peter, this is not the road to God's will. He said the road to God's will is gonna be through death. And then he says to his disciples, he says, if anyone would come after me, like if you're gonna follow me uh, in doing God's will, um, you must deny yourself Take up your cross and follow me. Every person who would follow Jesus Christ must take up his cross or her cross and follow Jesus. You know, we, we looked at discipleship and we said the first element of discipleship is uh, to choose, right? Uh, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So we have to do our part to choose to follow Jesus. We have to do our part to make those decisions, build those habits, exert that personal effort that, that are, are the things that God calls us to do so that he can work that transformation in our lives. I mean, you look throughout the Bible and there, is, uh, there are a lot of verses that talk about us taking our responsibility to do the things of God. First, or 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we destroy arguments, every lofty opinion um, raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive.
captive to, in, in obedience to obey Christ. 1 Corinthians 9, 27 says, I discipline my body, literally like I beat my body to keep it under control, lest after preaching to myself, I myself should be disqualified. It wasn't like Paul was going everywhere and it was really easy for him to resist temptation because God was with him in a special way. Um, God was with him in a special way, but he literally says, I have to beat my body. I have to hold, do these things to keep my body under control so that I won't be disqualified, so that I won't fall into sin and, 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 and disqualify you know, the preaching or the message of the gospel. And so there's a sense that when, we, when Jesus talks about picking up our cross, okay, pick up your cross and follow me, you know, sometimes we think about, oh, that means like when people persecute me, I pick up my cross and endure the hardship. Or when things are really, really hard, then I'll pick up my cross and I'll, I'll follow Jesus. But actually, um, discipline answers the, asks the question, says, what are you doing right now to keep yourself under God's perfect will? That's picking up the cross as well. What are the decisions, even if life is really easy right now, God's saying, we still have to pick up our cross. What are the things right now that God is calling me to do day by day that I'm neglecting or I have been neglecting for a long time, that I've been putting off because things have just been too busy. I keep saying, I'm going to get to it, I'm going to get to it, we're going to do this, but the world gets so busy and I just put it off. Or maybe we're just putting off simply because we don't want to do it. God, I just, I know I should, but I really don't want to do this. And we said again, spiritual discipline, creating good spiritual habits that keep us in that place where God can do his greatest work. Okay, building those habits. Now, I do want to say a few words to illuminate if we want to say a satanic trap that comes with spiritual disciplines that we don't want to do. And that is this idea, uh, we want to make sure that we understand that acts of discipline in and of themselves are not acts of righteousness, okay? Now, uh, I will explain this. Um, if discipline equaled righteousness, then the Pharisees would have been the most righteous people in all of human history. I mean, they were the most disciplined, most observant of all the laws. They even went beyond the law and, uh, and everything to justify themselves. But obviously, we know that they were the most uh, cursed people in all of history. So what this means is that if I read my Bible every day, which is a good thing, but it does not make me more righteous than somebody who doesn't read their Bible every day. I'm not better than them, I'm not more righteous than them, I'm not more loved by them simply because I read the Bible more. If I keep myself from certain sins, that doesn't make me more righteous than someone who struggles with that particular sin. Because we may say, well, I'm good at this, and they're not good at that, so shame on them. Or Somebody else may be good at something and we're not good at it, but we won't bring that one up. And so we need to be careful about righteousness that, that the acts of discipline, even if we could do everything that God wants me to do every single day, which we can't, but even if I could do everything God wants me to do every single day, that doesn't make me more pleasing or more loved by God. 
The Bible makes it very clear. We were all hopeless sinners who have been saved completely by grace. And any righteousness that we have has been given to us through Jesus and his death and resurrection. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. That Paul says he wants to be found in Jesus, having, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, meaning my own effort, my own deeds, but that which comes through faith in Jesus, the righteousness that comes from God. So spiritual disciplines are not for comparing ourselves to each other to see who is better uh, or who's a more spiritual Christian. I mean, that's kind of worldly in a sense. That's what the world, if the world had spiritual disciplines, that's probably what they would do with it. Um, discipline actually is a means to an end. Now again, I'm not saying we shouldn't read the Bible, we shouldn't do the things that God calls us to do. These are disciplines that as we choose to do these things, we allow God to work in our lives and we begin to grow. Spiritual disciplines are important because without discipline, there's no spiritual growth, okay? We could say, well, I'm growing in Christ, but I'm, not, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm gonna be pretty loose about reading Bible, praying about being holy, things like that, but we're not gonna grow. We won't because Spiritual growth does come through spiritual discipline, through really doing and obeying the things of God. It's, it has nothing to do with comparing ourselves with each other and things like that. I'm better than you or I'm more righteous. They're not righteous. We don't think about those things. We just think about us and God. If I really want to grow in God, if I really want to see God do things in my life, change things in my life, then I do have to think about, not just think about, but put into practice some spiritual disciplines that God's laying on my life. Now, there are a lot of disciplines, and I'm gonna focus on three that are related to a busy world, and these are by no means the three most important or the three only ones. These are just ones that I, I would say are related to the busyness of our world. And if you're feeling like overwhelmed, there's so many things going on. So the first discipline we wanna talk about is actually the Sabbath. Okay, the Sabbath is a counterintuitive discipline. Why? Because the Sabbath means literally to cease from work, to rest. And so we think, well, in a busy world, how can God ask us to rest? When there's so much to do in life and so many needs around us, um, and I can barely keep up how can it be a discipline to take a break and rest? It just doesn't sound right. Psalm 127 says, in vain you rise up early and you go to bed to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives rest to his beloved sleep. He gives to his beloved sleep. And here's another thought. Um, busyness does not indicate closeness to God. The ability to rest in the midst of a restless culture indicates an abiding trust in God and his faithfulness. When I was in college, uh, and I'm architecture, you guys, I, I talk about, you know, architecture, it's a badge of courage to see how much you can stay awake without going to sleep. I mean, really, literally. And, you know, there was, yeah, I, I mentioned there was a time when I slept, I, I think I, I went three days without sleep, and I think I almost died, actually, physically, physiologically almost died, actually, my, a roommate's girlfriend was a, was a doctor and she said, yeah, you, you probably would have died if you didn't go to sleep. And so that, that, make sure you get sleep. But at any rate, there was one commitment I made. Even though I would stay up late all, you know, work all week, there's one commitment I always made and that was that Saturday night and Friday night, I would always leave. 
because Friday night was fellowship, and then, and then Saturday I had ministry with the young kids, and Sunday was worship. So, but Friday, you know, in architecture, we're always very competitive. And so the more hours you clock in, the better your design is. You, know, you can never get a good, and so literally we're fighting with each other trying to see who can stay the longest. And here I am on Friday night going, oh, six o'clock, gotta go guys. And they're like, what the heck, you know, why are you going? I said, well, I gotta go. Every weekend, Friday night, and I wouldn't come in till Saturday late afternoon because I did ministry in the morning. And so it was kind of like, from an from a academic standpoint, I was falling behind um, because, uh, because, you know, I, I literally lost 25 hours. Now again, you may not think this is, you know, 25 hours of sleep, you should, but for architects, we're like 25 hours to stay up all night and do a, and get the best grade on the project? Who would do something stupid like that? Of course you're gonna stay at school for the next 25 hours and do this. But every week I would say that's my Sabbath, where I would take a break, I would stop, go fellowship a Friday night, go to sleep, have a good rest, go minister to the children. We had children's ministry Saturday morning because we did it out in the community. So Saturday morning was when all the kids were out, in the, out running around doing stuff. So we did Saturday morning, we'd run out of the community and, 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 and minister to all the kids, share the gospel. And then I'd go back to work on, on Saturday. And then I'd leave again on Saturday. And they're like, my, my coworkers, my uh, you know, students were going, you're crazy, Harrison. You're, you're coming in Saturday only for a couple of hours. You know how far behind you're getting, you know, by doing this. And I go, yeah, well, you know, I got to go to church the next day. I'm not going to, you know, I can't fall asleep at church. And so there's this sense that, uh, a that, that Sabbath actually going to sleep is a discipline. You know, in our world right now, we would say, man, if you took a break at work, and you'd lose out. You wouldn't get that good project anymore because they know, oh, this guy, he doesn't work so hard because he goes home on the weekends. He won't work on the weekends. Or this, this person, you go home and they sleep when I'll work all night because I want that project. I want that notoriety. I'll be there when the credits are given out so that I make sure that I get the credit that I want and I deserve for this. But yet, the, the, the Sabbath, there's a study that says that the Center for Disease and Control says that, that one-third of adults in the U.S. are not getting um, enough rest. And the Bible says getting a good night's sleep is a gift from God that every, it's something that every person who's walking obediently with God should be experiencing a good night's sleep. And so we think, wow. I mean, Jesus and God both rested from their work. And their work was probably more important than yours. <laughs> but they would go to sleep. They would rest. Well, I don't know. God took a Sabbath. I don't know if you go to sleep, but he took a Sabbath. He would rest. And the Bible actually commands us in, the, in his word to rest. The Sabbath is, is, is an intentional uh, ceasing from labor. It's not, oh, you know, what do you know? I got a, a day off. Now I can have a Sabbath. No, it's making a day off for your Sabbath. It's not waiting so that, oh, our project got canceled. Yay, I can have a Sabbath. No, it's saying God was saying to the Israelites for generation after generation, you must observe a Sabbath. And if you do, I will multiply your efforts on the days that you do work. 
God gives the Sabbath as a way of reminding us that we're dependent on God. And so really, honestly, for every week that you do not take a Sabbath rest, you are actually telling God, I don't trust you, and I don't want to follow your will. Okay, that, I, that's kind of strong, but I really think that when we, when, we, when we tell God, you know, I can handle it, God's saying, I don't want you to handle it. He's saying, I want you to rest. I want you to stop from all of your work thinking you're so important and depend on me and realize that even when you stop working and you think you're so important, things are going to get done without you. And sorry if that makes you feel not so worthwhile, but God says, I'm more important. Trust me. See, neglect to neglect the Sabbath is not a sign that we're more devoted to God. It actually means that we think more highly of ourselves, actually. It means that we've transferred the world's values into church. That we would rather push the lawnmower ourselves just to prove I'm strong enough, I can do this without God. So the first challenge is, you know, uh, every week give ourselves what we call a soul rest. Now, soul rest is not a brain dump, okay? We say, oh, Pastor Harrison said we've got to observe a Sabbath, so mom, I'm gonna watch TV for five hours on Monday, that's my Sabbath. Or, you know, uh, mom, uh, dad, uh, video games, that's my Sabbath, I'll play something peaceful and calm, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I won't play a violent game, I'll play a peaceful one. That'll be my Sabbath. Uh, no, Sabbath is not just brain dump relaxing, uh, resting because of exhaustion. Sabbath is soul rest. Sabbath is something that we do to enrich our souls, which God has given to us, our most precious commodity. And here are some examples of things we can do. First of all, maybe go to sleep. Uh, God can bless us with a greater sense of peace if we just get enough sleep. You, you know how grumpy and how ungodly we get when we don't have much sleep, right? <laughs> and how we say things we don't mean to say and we do things we don't mean to do because we're simply not getting enough sleep. And God's saying, give your soul a rest to let it shut down. That's how he created your body. Uh, if you're being isolated, uh, maybe get connected. Maybe uh, a soul rest means actually making a commitment to join a community group, to, to attend worship regularly, to meet up with friends so that I'm not just, my life is not just going to work and coming back and crashing on the couch and then going to work, coming back and then crashing on the couch and then doing something crazy on the weekend and then going back to work and then crashing again. Um, that's not soul rest. Uh, maybe it does mean to, um, to stop the isolation and really connect with people. Uh, it can mean uh, exercise or a hobby, something like that. It can mean also uh, engaging, saying I want to spend uh, one night uh, where I'm fully and totally engaged with my family. I'm fully, totally engaged with my spouse. You know, no TV, no running around, no appointments, things like that, uh, where we just sit down and say, this night is free. You know, because even if we say, oh, okay, this is our hour of family time, you know, it, sometimes it doesn't work that way. It's like, you know, this is our hour of family time, and then our kids are stressed out. I'm like, this is family time. Stop being stressed out. You're wasting time. You know, it's no, no. You can't do that. You can't force everybody to say, okay, 8 o'clock, everybody's going to be relaxed and happy and we're all going to have family time and play a game and, and bond together. No, that doesn't happen like that. We need to have those deliberate times where we set aside and say, this evening, let's protect this evening. 
And yeah, some days it's not going to be so good and some days it's going to be great, but we're going to protect this time and say as a family, we just sit down and let God enrich our souls together. And that's our Sabbath. Or maybe it is uh, taking time to really engage with God. Maybe, um, and this is really the most important, to sit and say, I just want to sit and engage with God. I want to pray. I want to read. I want to talk with God. I want to share with him my struggles. I just want to sit and sometimes I'm too exhausted to say things to God. Well, I just want to sit and read his word and, and let God speak to me in the silence and let God's presence be there and let God comfort me and now I have to think, oh, this is my seven-minute devotion. Oh, I'll set the timer and seven minutes. I did my seven minutes. Time to go to work. I mean, we have that too, that's important. But also maybe have that time once a week where you say, okay, this is the uh, free time with God where I don't have to, if I, if I find something that I'm really enjoying reading, I don't have to stop after 10 minutes, I can keep going. If I feel like I wanna pray and stay with God longer, I, I don't have to you know, uh, get out of my car and go to work. I can relax and continue to enjoy that time with God. I wanna spend, I'm gonna designate that Sabbath to really, um, rejuvenate my soul. These are regular, this is Sabbath, a regular rest time when we do these things, we come away feeling energized, that my soul is fed. And we're not gonna have these unless we actually do them. This is something that God is asking us to do. It is a command. It is our responsibility to find that Sabbath, not wait till the Memorial Day weekend when it's like, oh, finally. No, there's only a few holidays in the year. This should be every week. We're, we're establishing some regular habit of Sabbath. The second spiritual discipline that gives peace is what we call creating margin. Now, for those of you in the, uh, in the community group, uh, we've been talking about this a lot. Actually, Chen's been leading. It's been really exciting, talking about creating margin in our lives. And, and I really thought this was insightful. Actually, I'd never heard of it before. And then I would do my doctoral class, and there it goes again, creating margin. I thought, oh, this must be important. But in his book, Margin, this is what is written. It says, stress and busyness in our lives can come from doing too many things, but often it is a result of leaving no margin between the various items of our calendar. Okay, what does that mean? He goes on to say, marginless is uh, being 30 minutes, and this is how he, the author describes it. Marginless is being 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you were 20 minutes late getting out of the bank, because you were 10 minutes late dropping your kids off of school, because the car ran out of gas two blocks from the gas station. I mean, that's, that's life, right? We're like, oh my gosh, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened, and, and pretty soon, because we've, we've scheduled our, our lives so tightly that it's like a domino effect. Once something's late, everything starts going nuts. So what is margin? Margin is creating empty spaces, leeway between tasks and appointments so that we have breathing room. Swenson puts it this way, this is the author, and he says, margin is power minus load. So basically here, power is your ability, time, energy, and emotional reserve. This is like you, like what God has given me for today. I have so much ability, so much time and energy. Monday morning, I'm ready to go. Okay. Load is the commitments and expectations and demands. So this is like, okay, I gotta get so-and-so to school, then I gotta go to the bank, and then I gotta talk to this person, then I gotta clear up this issue, think whatever, that's your load. Now, for all the engineers and mathematicians, if load is greater than power, what happens? Negative. There's a negative, it's a difference, right? you're spiritually depleted 
It just is, is draining on your life. And so people say, see, margin says, don't schedule up your load higher than your power. Uh, God doesn't mean for you to do that. God doesn't want to give you, God say, you, if your load is bigger than what God has given you each day, there's something wrong. If the things that you are doing every day is so important that it's taking you away from enjoying God and trusting in God and resting in God, then those are not things that God may really have given you all that. Um, so margin says, allow time between, um, between these things. Um, people like living on the edge. People like making every single minute count. I, they say that, um, what is it? Total type A people, do they arrive late? Or do they arrive early? Or do they arrive right on time? We would think they would arrive early, but no. They arrive right on time. Why? Because if you arrive early, what are you doing? You're wasting time. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, I'm here five minutes early. I could have used that five minutes doing this, you know? So they'll calculate it, so I'll just, I'll get right on time here and finish this up and no waste of time and go to the, right to the next one. So don't waste any time whatsoever. And you know, that's a life. Now maybe some people really, really like that, but eventually what happens is it, it just continues to, to have no margin. This is a life of no margin and it, it makes you stressed out. It makes you rush. It makes you uh, uh, just constantly being, uh, in a sense, depleted and no time for the soul. Even if you say, oh, get to church at this time, finish, and then go to the family dinner at this time, uh, again, no margin. So what we want to do is, is we want it to be a, a positive. We want to have the power and the load to be less so that we have some spiritual reserves so that when those emergencies do come, we still have something left to do something. Or when somebody calls and says, I need help, we don't say, oh, well, uh, I have five minutes. Or, no, I, I, you know, I, I only have two minutes because I have to go to the, no, we can actually sit and, and talk. And we can talk for a long time because we've put margin in our lives. Um, there's what's, well, I put together a margin test, okay? So this is whether you have margin or not. First of all, number one, do you feel like you're getting everything done at the last minute with no time to spare, okay? Do you feel like life is always just rushing from one event to another? Do you feel like I have no time to think? Okay. Do you feel like I have trouble fitting all my events on my Google Calendar? <laughs> it's always doing that little thing. If you answer yes to any one of these, you probably don't have enough margin in your life. And so, so the, the book talking about creating margin, it's really saying, hey, don't over plan your day. Uh, make room for, for, for uh, interruptions and, and, and difficulties. And if you have a day which says, gee, I'm not doing anything this day. What, what's wrong with this afternoon? You know, God will give you something, most likely, to do that afternoon. Uh, don't overcommit. Learn to say no, okay? Um, and this one, protect Saturday night. I, I think this is really important. Um, if you go to church on Sunday, which most of us do here, because Sunday's Jesus time, okay? This is Jesus time. Like, if you said to your wife, hey, this is our date night, and you fell asleep during your date night, or you nod off during your date night, 
I mean, that's a big problem, right? She, you would never do that, okay, right? You'd be like, oh, this is our date night. <gasps> you know, staying awake while she's talking. No way, I mean, you'd never hear the end of it, <laughs> right? But I mean, like we, we say, oh, Jesus time here, you know, I'll stay up all night, we got Saturday night, do all these things and come to church. We're gonna rush to church, get to church, finally sit down, I'm done. I'm done, I just gotta last the next half hour, <laughs> you know? No, it's like, no, you start when we get to church. This is Jesus time. And so really, uh, when we think about Saturday nights, don't plan, they're like, oh, Saturday night, I think we can get back by one o'clock and get all the kids to bed, and, 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 and then we get up in the morning and, and, and rush off. No, 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 take time, say, this is Saturday night. We're gonna, Saturday, we're gonna make sure we finish by five o'clock, we're gonna have dinner, relax dinner, get all the clothes, kids, Rita used to get all the clothes ready for us in the morning, so we didn't have to rush around trying to figure out what to wear in the morning, had everything set up on the table, you saw our Bibles there, just grab it, you know, you don't have to worry, where's my Bible, you know, you ever that? Go to church and the one kid says, where's my Bible? And we're like, oh my gosh, you know, and run around for the next 10 minutes looking for their Bible and found out, you know, it's in their backpack or something. Um, Prepare early, right? Prepare early on Saturday night. Make sure it's all there so that in the morning you can just get up, have breakfast, be in a nice mood, go to church in a nice mood, sit down and pull out your Bible and be um, engaged because this is God's time. Um, so we looked at uh, pray over your calendar. Uh, when you do your calendar, when you start planning things, let God be the one who decides what you're gonna do, what you're not gonna do, who you're gonna meet, what you're gonna, it's not your calendar. So, so let God into it, and, and, and if it's too much, let God tell you, say, hey, you don't need to do this. Or maybe you should do this next week instead of this week. Um, so spiritual disciplines, we talked about Sabbath, we talked about creating margin. The last thing I wanna talk about is finally feeding your spirit. Now, feeding your spirit, uh, involves really spending that time to, um, to read God's word, to study God's word, to, to pray, and, um, and to give God that time that he needs, to worship God, to not be uh, giving, when we talk about devotion time or our, our quiet time or things like that, don't give him your worst time, like, oh, in the morning was always my worst time. I'm always half awake in the morning sometimes. Give him the evening when you're wide awake and you're ready to go, you know, ready to really engage with God. Uh, whatever you do, give him your best time. And what I also wanna do, this is kind of a creative thing here, and aside from just the regular spiritual disciplines, um, there's this kind of, I, I saw this online, this very cool kind of creative way to feed your spiritual life and take advantage of even like when you have a busy life. And they, they said create a parallel to-do list. It's kind of like, uh, you know, a, a parallel spiritual routine or a spirit-filled multiverse where, where, where something's going on at the same time that you're doing your work and things like that. For example, when I wake up in the morning while I'm getting dressed, I'm thinking, God, clothe me in Christ. Clothe me in your righteousness. Or think of one of the armor of God saying, I'm, when, I'm putting, when I'm trying to choose my shirt to wear in the morning, God, put on the, can you put on the, the breastplate of righteousness today? Shield of faith. When I brush my teeth, while I'm brushing my teeth, and instead of thinking about all, you know, that zit here or whatever, say, God, how can my words today be edifying and pure? 
Well, I'm brushing my teeth, you know. However long you brush your teeth, which you should brush your teeth for a little bit longer, and it may actually be good for your teeth, <laughs> pray and say, God, I'm going to give my words to you today. When you're eating breakfast or eating lunch, we always say grace. But again, just thank God for, good, for his goodness. When you commute, when you're driving to work, and you're thinking about, oh, which freeway is going to be the fastest, or, oh, is it going to be uh, listening to uh, the traffic or listening to sports or whatever, instead say, God, while I'm commuting, God, prepare me to take on this world today for Jesus Christ. When I get out of this car, I'm entering into the world on a mission. And God, give me what I need today to do this mission. Simple prayer. If your commute is 10 minutes, pray that for 10 minutes. If your commute is half an hour, yeah, you could pray that for half an hour. You'd be surprised how it will change your day. You spend half an hour praying on the commute, saying, God, as I enter this world, give me the strength to really shine for you. When you finally go to sleep on the pillow, and I've been doing this, I thought this was nice, is just put your head on the pillow and just think of all the things you're thankful for today when you go to sleep. See, because sometimes I'll just watch TV and then when I go to sleep, I'm thinking about what I saw on TV. And if it's something scary, Rita goes, stop watching horror movies at night or stop watching scary movies at night because you're always like moving around at night too much, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, instead of thinking about some scary movie or whatever, put your head on a pillow when you go to sleep and just start thinking about, wow, God, I'm so thankful today that this happened. I'm so thankful today that the weather was so nice. I'm so thankful today that um, we weren't in a rush. I'm so thankful today that my child said this or did that. And, and, and let those thoughts be the thoughts that go with you when you go to sleep, however long it takes you to go to sleep and see if that makes a difference. I, I, I've been trying that this week and it's actually been kind of nice. Just lie down and just instead of thinking about, because a lot of times when I lie down, I think about, oh yeah, I, I forgot to email that person. Oh yeah, oh, tomorrow I better do that. Oh, I forgot to call this. Oh shoot, I better put this on the calendar. Oh, I do that when I lie down, right? Uh, some of us do that, I, I do that. Sometimes I even get up and do something like, oh no, I know I'm gonna forget when I get in the morning, so I'll write down. But now I just lie down and say, okay God, how can I thank you today? Oh, today was pretty cool. We went out to do evangelism. Thank you for that conversation with so-and-so. Uh, thank you for uh, that encouraging word that, uh, that Louise said you know, that morning when we went out. Uh, things like that. And, and, and let the thankfulness of God put us to sleep. See, again, these are disciplines that are not like taking like 20 hours extra, you know, whatever. These are saying, I'm taking the things in my busyness in life, and I appreciate that, you know, there are some of us in our stage of life right now where life is really, really busy, and we cannot even honestly take an extra hour or two each day or whatever, or an hour or two each week. We can't do that. But hey, with your schedule right now, with the things that you do right now, can you have that, that parallel to-do list where I am doing the things, I am talking about the things, I am praying out the things that add God and his spirit into everything I do? Rather than letting the world suggest things. Um, 
for the guys, man, well, for the girls too, we got the WhatsApp now. So, hey, put in the WhatsApp, whatever your commitment is. I'm going to, Pastor I'm going to do this. You know, put it on the WhatsApp or put it on the Padlet. Or if you put it on the WhatsApp, that means you want it public. We'll put it on the Padlet. So, uh, but at any rate, I mean, this year is spiritual transformation. That's what we want. That's what we've been talking about, praying about. And for every one of us here, it's not going to be just, oh, this wonderful theme where I get a nice T-shirt and I get a pencil. We didn't even give T-shirts or pencils for this. This is going to be, I saw God transform my life this year in this area because of this. That's what we want for, uh, for 2018, 2019. A story is told this, uh, uh, this executive or say an engineer, whatever, he's driving his brand new Audi down the street. And uh, while he's driving, and he's, he's preoccupied, he's really busy, and he hears this bang on the side. And he knew, it's like somebody threw a rock, hit my car. So he was really mad. He said, this is my $60,000 car. Got out of his car, and he looked at the dent, and he looked back, and he saw this kid coming at him. And he's like, man, that kid, that punk, you know, boy, I'm going to tell him how much my, I'm going to, you know, Tell him how much he's, where do I find his parents, you know? And the kid says, walks up to him and says, please, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, I threw this rock because no one would stop and help me. My brother um, rolled off the curb. He fell out of his wheelchair, and, and I, can't, I can't get him into his chair. And nobody has stopped to help me. And then the, the driver was like, wow, I, dro- I didn't even notice there was a guy on the sidewalk that had fallen down. And so he walked over and helped the guy get back in his wheelchair and helped him push um, his brother home. And he did not fix the dent in the side of his Audi. And he said he'll keep that dent um, to remind him um, not to be overcome by, to be so overcome by the busyness of this world that someone actually has to throw a rock at him to get his attention to get him to notice that, 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 that the God is, is at work around him. You know, we can't always change our busy world. I mean, that's what we signed up for when we come here. But we can start today with one discipline, one habit that we will practice regularly and it, it, it may sound like it's little, but it's going to be hard. There's going to be sacrifice because Satan don't want you to do that. <laughs> and he'll make it hard. You know, we'll say, I'm going to spend this day, you know, in prayer for an hour. And that's going to be the day when something blows up at work. And you're going to just want to go watch TV. Or some kid has a meltdown and you're going to want to just lock yourself in a room and go to sleep. But if you commit and say, this is the day, this is, this is my commitment to God. Um, we are placing ourselves in that place where God can begin to work. And, 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 and we still have, you know, our, our year ends in September, if you want to say. So, so I know these are artificial markers, but let's just say, hey, September is the end of this, this year. What can I do from now till September on a regular basis, whether it's once a week, every day, or whatever, that really brings my life in line with God? and what he wants for my life. Just one thing. We, we, we put that, we commit that, we write it down on the Padlet, we write it down on the WhatsApp, we keep each other accountable. And then in September, we go back and say, how is that 
How has God changed your life through that? Okay? So let's pray. Let's spend some time in prayer. Now let's, let's really ask God